0: Welcome to the Raptors show on the sports radio network. Make sure to find the Raptor show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate or review the show. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Yes, we are coming to you an hour early today because in mere moments, Raptors president Messiah Jerry will be going to the podium uh, to talk to reporters. Unfortunately, myself and co-host Blake Murphy will not be there because we are here doing the show, but we are going to run a uh, the press conference live for you uh, with Masai jury and then afterwards we're going to take a short break and then come back and break down all the things that are set up on Masai. Uh, Blake, what do you what do you think is going to be the biggest question asked to Masai?
1: Um, I mean the biggest one's going to be the just g- generalities about Pascal. Like that's what we'll lead off with. But I think the biggest question needs to be. Why what has changed and why in terms of what the talking points were, what the strategy was at this time last year mm. versus right now, where at this time last year they were declining to trade Pascal OG and Fred Van Vliet. They instead traded a first round pick for Jakob Pertle. Here we are less than 12 months later. And the strategy is now well. Fred walked OG's out, Pascal's out. A draft that we didn't care about before, we now could have as many as four picks in the top thirty-two things like that. It it is like I think everyone actually understands the reason for the shift in strategy and why it was necessary. Um, But to hear Masai put it in his words, and you know, I I guess get at well, shouldn't you have known this this time last year? Because I think you you could have reasonably known it. Um, That's what I'm hoping the the presser gets into a little bit.
0: Mm. I also want to know at what specific point. Did he decide to pivot in this direction? Because I think even last year mm-hmm. um, at the trade deadline, the Raptors were six games under five hundred, and they decided to trade for Yaka Pertl. Why did they not make the move last year? Did they want to see it? Why did they want to see it done midseason? Was the coaching staff kind of like change? Was that the last gasp, I guess, I suppose, of trying to see how it would work under a different coach on a different system? A lot of questions to answer. Um, but I do appreciate that Masai is taking an in-season press conference, typically he would do these after the trade deadline. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, this is very rare. This is pretty rare,
0: but I also think it's quite important. And I think that in in that sense, you know, he's choosing to take this moment to uh, answer these questions because I'm sure he would want to give fans some clarity or at least some insight, uh, however much he's at liberty to share or wants to, about OG and, and Pascal, who are really, really important players. Like... For a lot of people watching this team, and there's been such an explosion of interest in the Raptors since they become a winning franchise uh, about 10 years ago now, but especially after they won the championship, these are the people that they have gone attached to. They've gotten to know. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things. When you see a player move on, it's like, it's sad that they move on. But you got this great chance to revisit all their great moments to sort of show that appreciation For what they have done, it's it's harder to do day-to-day because we're focused on, like, did OG do a good job defending Anthony Edwards or did Pascal drop 30 against whoever, Drew Holiday, right? But I think when you zoom out to the bigger picture, that was a great thing was we got to, you know, see so many great memories with these type of players. And I would love to hear Masai's uh, closing remarks on those guys, but um,
1: Chris Boucher. The last guy left yeah. the championship team. Man. I actually, I ha- I got in like not an argument, but someone like disagreed with me that Chris Boucher was not that he was like a part of those teams and, and like in an, a someone just didn't believe me that he was on those teams yesterday at the game. And it, I was like, it, he what? was on those teams. Like uh, he was the G League MVP. He was uh, he got converted from a two way when they needed players. He he was a real player. I don't understand how people doubt facts. Uh, I don't know post It, it was very like, amusing. Yes, on we, the banner at Scotiabank yeah. Arena. If you go up and look up. Fourteen of the fifteen names are gone. Yeah. But Boucher's name is still there. Also, terrific job by Chris Boucher on the uh, on the meme front yesterday with the yeah. with the fresh Prince of Bel Air, uh mm. when he's left at the end and it's just him alone in the mansion. There's no there's no furniture left in the living room or anything. Yeah. Uh it's just just me left. I, I do the only thing I would take issue is I don't think he was Will. <laughs> sure. Uh <laughs> I'm, sorry, not, I'm not going to... Sorry,
0: Chris, I'm not, re- I'm not trying to re anything. Yeah. I'll, see, I'll see
1: you later today. Uh, I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. um, say <laughs> sorry to you, man. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Now I'm thinking, like, which comp is he? And I think I have the comp, but I'm certainly not going to say Don't do it, Blake. it out loud. Don't do it. Um, okay, so look, besides going to speak shortly, we'll, we'll yeah. go to it um, and we'll react out of it. We're we're not there, which is a little bit awkward. If you could... And I know you just kind of asked me what I, what I think the tone would be, mm-hmm. but if you... Like we don't get the first question even if we're there. That's going to be Doug. That's going to be Grange and, and people like that. What would you want to be asking, like, uh, one, once the key stuff is done here about Pascal and OG in the direction, what are you curious about um, to, to slide, you know, a second round of question in?
0: Yeah, uh, I want to know what the Raptors intend to do with some of the other contracts that they're receiving in this front. Are they going to keep Bruce Brown? Is that going to be a long-term fit? for this team, or are they going to move him, you know, again at this trade deadline? You can't move him as a part of other contracts, but you can trade him just one for one. Um, and, yeah, I also want to know how they want to build around Scotty Barnes. But Masai Jerry has joined the podium, so we're going to cut over to the OVO practice facility.
2: Uh, yes, I think I will. Um, thanks, everybody, for coming out. It's um, a tough couple weeks for us uh, here um, with... Uh, the trades we've made uh, losing um, uh, the players Pascal Siakam, Ojianna Nobi, uh, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn. Um, obviously, we know what these players meant uh, to our program. Uh, incredible, incredible human beings, um, incredible character. Um, incredible players and what they brought to our franchise. Um, championship players. Um, obviously, you guys, um, you know, my relationships with, with, with these guys and how hard um, this is. And I know how hard it is, yeah, how hard it's been for them too. Um, yesterday, with Pascal, um, incredibly difficult, but um, we're, we're, excited, we're also excited about the new direction of the of the team. So, um, with that, I, I just wanted to say thank you to them and everything they bring, they've brought uh, to this program. Um, I want to say there's nobody that knows them better than I do, and as close as as close to them as. Um, I am. Um, in every single detail, I know what those guys brought every day, how professional they were. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, as things happen, but that, that one is close to me. I'll, I'll say this. Yeah. I, I hate to go on uh, like this low rant, but. What I think of the world globally, you know, and what these guys represent, and um, where I come from, where they come from, yeah, it means it's, me- it's meant a lot to me. And trust me, I've analyzed. We've analyzed this in every single way, um, more than you can think, uh, to uh, to come to this decision. And um, but. I wish them all the best, and I know they are going to do big, big things where where they are.
3: Sorry, why did you think it was necessary to change direction like this in the last three weeks?
2: Um, <clears throat> uh, obviously, um, I, th- I think the uncertainty of free agency is is, is a big factor. Um, I think we also looked at um, the trend of the team. Um, uh, we've tried to give it as much as much time as we can um, and I know there are a lot of questions after um, last season, why didn't we do something at the trade deadline, you know, but um, we look at the fits of the team, um, we looked at um, the emergence of uh, Scotty, and um, we've also looked at the age and uh, coming down a little bit younger. and. And growing so, uh, Doug. Um, honestly, a lot of a lot of factors. You know, like um, whether it's now or thinking about the f- um, the strategy of future. You know, like so, lots lots of factors.
4: In hindsight, uh, with with what you just referred to, do you wish you had acted sooner and moved on from O.G. or Pascal sooner?
2: Uh, no, I don't. Honestly, um, when I look at if you give an example, I hate to go back here, but if you give an example to our 48-win uh, team in in, in 13, um, we tried to give that a chance. The next year, when we came back, um, um, and had 49 wins. We didn't have, a, uh, honestly, like a great year, but had 49 wins. So when I look at this, you know, um, the caliber of players, and I look at um, the year before it got better, um, I think, Um, I think that team in my opinion deserved us to give them um, more than half a season a chance and that led to um, us me thinking or us thinking that um, one of the pieces missing at the time was um, a big center, you know like and we thought it was good value to get um, a starting center for uh, for a pick, and um, we still we still think that so uh, to your question uh, eric the uh, at the time our full blown thought was to give this team a chance that team a chance uh, to play and to win and i don't i don 't know that you make a decision you know like half a season in you know uh, based on you know like our struggles or some of the things that we were not doing uh, so well. I, th- I think that's a short time in, in our business.
5: You've talked a lot about
2: wanting to remain competitive
5: in the present while also developing for the future and balancing those things. Mm-hmm. That seemed to be the motivation, obviously, with the OG deal and with the, the Pertle deal that you, you talked about. This trade sends a bit of a different message. It, was, was it simply that you felt this was the best offer that was going to be available, or, or do you believe that this can help you do that and continue to compete in the short term
2: well when you look at both trades you know like i think we accomplished a couple things you know like that we're trying to do um if you put them together um young players picks and flexibility uh, of our of our team going into the future Um, and that's how strategically we have to look at this um uh, to your point i think um the marketplace is also determines. Yeah. I you guys are a big contributor to where the NBA is going and um and how uh things are advertised or things are reported. Uh, but I I hate to tell you guys it's not all reality. Yeah, that's that's real. Yeah, so um my point is, some of the trades and things you hear, you know, like on Twitter or on social media, uh, I'm not getting those calls. Yeah, So the marketplace varies and changes, you know, like at different times. That's just the nature of the MBA and the nature of our jobs. And um, this is what was there uh, for us. And we measured it with what was there for us uh, in the past. And It was consistent, and we decided to move on it.
5: Given the deals that you're saying weren't there on the table that the media thought there was or whatever the case is, was there then Like, how much thought was then given to potentially retaining Pascal and making a decision later? Or was that off the table for you at this point?
2: Yeah, some thought was given to it. Let me make this clear to, like, all of you. Everybody, I I see, you know, my guys tell me, you know, like, with this whole, like, Pascal thing, you know, like, there's no, Pascal's success is my success. There's none of you that knew Pascal or know Pascal more than me. Yeah, let's be real. Yeah, so his success is my success. If that guy moves, I move. Yeah. So if I'm being even if if I'm being selfish, you know, like I, I there's, um, for me, there's something there. You, you you understand what I'm saying? So I don't. Um, I've gone into every detail, every single detail. My team has gone into every single detail on how we measure him staying, or us doing this deal. Yeah, and. FIT comes into it, and when we think of FIT, we think strategically, we think on the court with Scotty Barnes, who has emerged to be the player we are going to like, build around. And also, we have to think about um, financials. Yeah, we have to think that too. So you can imagine or you can say we will trade, uh, we will sign and do something later, you know, like, but you never know how this market changes. That's just the nature of the NBA.
6: Just following up on that, the strategy of the future and the financials, how much does the new CBA restrictions play into things and change things in terms of max contracts, super max, all that, having two max, three max guys, whatever?
2: How much does that change everything these days? It does play into it, and you'll see as it comes. We'll see it. Yeah, it does play into it. And for us, having flexibility, I think, um, maybe uh, speaks louder. You know, like for us in terms of what could become available in the future we have to like think that way uh, as we as we move forward
5: you guys have had not a lot of draft picks over the past few years in trying to add to this team over time and adding to the championship with this trade especially bringing in three first round picks do you see it as an opportunity for the front office to kind of make a big stamp in that way on the franchise again?
2: I think it does, but it also, we have to look at it as honestly as flexibility. Yeah, you can consolidate these picks, you know, like you don't have to pick them, you know, like you can trade them. Uh, you, there are many things that you can do, and that's our thinking, yeah, with 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 those, those picks. It's not... Uh, necessarily that we are going to go into this draft and we have a lot of picks and we're going to uh, approach it that way. Um, there are many ways to think about this. You never know what comes up. I think historically every year there's always some kind of player uh, in the last three, four, five years, maybe even two players that, that just become available from um, other team situations and we don't know if that becomes a fit you know, for us. Uh, But um, we're excited. We're excited about the young players we have. We're excited about uh, Scotty Barnes and his emergence. We're excited about quickly and his style of play and how young he is and um, the potential of growth. We're excited about bringing RJ Barrett home and um, his potential and what he could do. Uh, as a as, as a player, I think there's room for growth uh, for these guys um, We're excited for Grady, you know, like it's gonna take time and to be honest What does a rebuild take or a no more rebuild? I'm not call. I don't know if to call this a rebuild or a reset or um, However, we want to put it but a no more rebuild with other teams takes six five six years Yeah, do we have the patience for that? You know, like, do we have the patience for three to five years, you know, like a a building of a team? Some way, somehow, we're going to have to have patience. And one of the things that I'll tell you 100% I'm not going to, you know, BS anybody on is I am patient. Yeah, I was maybe to a fault. I was patient with that team uh, last year because I believed in them. I believed in those players. I believed in what they brought. But now we have to look to the future. Yeah, I think there's many exciting things coming with this team. We've seen it. I think um, the style of play that Darko has I think is very sustainable uh, going into the future. I think we'll get better. I think our guys will grow. I think we'll continue to add players and we'll continue to see ways where this team can get better. And I think it's going to take patience. Uh, we have to see these guys uh, grow. And that's one thing that uh, I think we don't have as much now in this day and age in the NBA. You mentioned Scotty and the trades clear the way for him to officially be the base the of
5: the franchise. Now, obviously, he's taken a big step forward this year, but he's still 22, and that's pretty young in terms of guys who take the reins of a franchise. What makes you confident that he's ready for that responsibility and everything that comes with it?
2: Well, I don't know if he's ready for that responsibility, but we have to put him in position. That's our jobs. Yeah, we have to put him in position to at least grow and start to um, see dividends of the work he's putting in yeah, to become that kind of player. And I think we've seen it. Yeah. Whether if he's getting better rebounding, whether he's getting better um, as a fourth quarter player, whether he's getting better passing the ball, uh, whether he's getting better with his three point shooting. I think we've seen that the hardest thing to do in this NBA is to find those kind of players. Yeah, that's the hardest thing uh, is to find that exact type of player Yeah, has that basketball IQ um, uh, that has that size uh, that develops his shooting. Um, has the charisma, has the character yeah, to become that player. And then the guys, the other guys too that have upside, quickly has incredible upside, uh, whether it's um, his shooting uh, that spaces the floor for us, uh, his quickness. Um, he'll get better and better. This team has only played how many uh, limited games uh, together. Or R.J. Bar- Barrett, we're trying to teach him to play in a different way, uh, and I think he's going to get better at it. We already see it. Um, his shooting will get better, and we continue to grow from there and add, I think, those pieces that uh, are necessary for this team uh, to continue to grow. But I tell this to all of you guys and to our fan base, it's going to take patience. Yeah, We're going, we going to grow gradually and, and, and try to build this team like, the right way.
5: Given the preferred style of play that you mentioned, and also uh, Bruce Brown's skill set, do you think he can be part of that future beyond just a short-term thing?
2: Well, if you think of a guy you know like that has been on a championship team, uh, as one of the toughest players in the NBA, um, uh, there's something he he brings to us. He's dynamic. <laughs> he's six four, six five, but plays every position there is in the NBA. Um, uh, for us, it was uh, he's a key. Uh, contributor to this uh, in what he brings uh, to our team. He, uh,
3: sorry, when, when you made the move for Jakub, mm-hmm. you know, at the time you had, you know, an All-Star point guard. You had an All-NBA forward. You had an All-NBA defender. You had, you know, Scotty, who's, you know, clearly on his path to something special. And one of the reasons you were willing to make the trade with Jakub was to because this draft 2024 was. You know, deemed to be quite weak. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you look at where you are now, where a lot of those pieces we talked about aren't here, and you've now potentially got four picks mm-hmm. in this draft, I mean, was there, would you have predicted that that's the situation you're in? And would you have kind of wondered if there's maybe a miscalculation along the way in terms of some of the judgments that
2: led to it? Uh, yeah, I, I can see it the way you see it uh, that way, uh, Grains, but. Um, when you trade um, a first-round pick uh, for a starting center in the NBA, in our business, it's a, uh, for us, it's, it's good for now and for the future, whether it's a fit on our team or um, it's something else in the future. yeah. When you trade a first-round pick for a starter, um, I, yeah, I don't know how many times that's, yeah, that's been done or where it's, it's, it's always available. And that's the way we look at it. When I go back and look at what we did uh, with our team at that time, um, met with the coaches, met with the players, and collectively and with our front office, we decided that to give that team a chance um, all star player in Fred Lenfleet, you mentioned, um, all NBA Pascal Siakam, all defensive Ojianna um rookie of the year Scotty Barnes. They deserved and they wanted a rim protector. Yeah, and maybe it was me being selfish and maybe it was a mistake on, on my part. Uh, but we went 15 and 11 after that, you know, like, and so. Um, Uh, I'm not going to sit here and cry over spilled milk or give you guys any excuses if it was a mistake. It was a mistake, you know, like, but going forward for me, um, that's good value for us, you know, like, whether it's now or sustainable in the future. You
6: guys, you mentioned that you didn't feel a full, a half season, excuse me, was enough to evaluate that group. Mm -hmm. When that season came to an end, you obviously had a full season to evaluate that team. Over the summer, like, what were you guys... You mentioned potentially making changes not just to the coaching staff but to the roster as well. You didn't, you didn't make a ton of those. Mm-hmm. Were you thinking about those things? And, and I guess why didn't you make bigger changes or some of these changes during the summer?
2: Yeah, you. Know, I, I think um, we uh, we definitely like looked at the draft. Um, we definitely looked at this uh, um, the summer. And honestly, our business, you know, is is what's available and what the market is. You know, like at the time. And um, what was available was not um, what we wanted to do with, with where or where we wanted to go with our team. And that's where sometimes you have to be patient. And sometimes being patient is being risky. Uh, it's just taking risks you know, with, with, with what you do. But when I measure what we have now and uh, what was available then, um, it pretty much um, balances out yeah so even at the draft you know like teams make decisions that um well we're not going to go that direction or we're going to decide to rebuild i know portland was one of the teams that was mentioned a lot you know like in in this whole process but they decided to go in the other um, direction rather than um uh, get better i don't control that uh i I wait for this and I'm aggressive on this, you know, like, but if it's not on this, I don't know, I don't know what to do. Go ahead.
4: You talk about um, being patient and I can tell it's a long-term strategy, uh, but just more so in the immediacy, like of this team right now, what are your expectations? What is the immediate next step with this group?
2: Uh, Play and keep growing and keep learning. Uh, i think um learn a system um, learn the mba uh, learn what it takes to grow in this mba uh, operate within space and when i say space i mean uh, what the boundaries are to grow you know like and what the limits are and what the opportunities are uh, for these guys to grow and i think um system that DACO has put into place you know like where we think uh, sharing we're going to try and add more shooting uh, to this team and um, we'll we'll continue to um, give these guys the opportunity to grow and expand their games even more
5: you guys have a a bunch of pieces now of varying age
1: salary skill Um, can you see more trades in the next three weeks
2: uh, definitely uh, that's you you look at this and that 's why we have created uh flexibility um, and um, next three weeks is the, all these windows whether it 's now whether it 's the draft uh, whether it 's free agency that 's why we've created flexibility uh, to make this team grow and uh, continue to be bigger and and better and exciting for our fans because um, i I think there's there's upside here. Do
6: you have an extra to maybe attach
2: to a contract in the trade before private games? Is that part of the process to get the to 100%. Yeah, 100%. Why not? I, there, are, there are ways to consolidate. There are ways to attach to contracts. Um, there are ways to um, think really big if, if things happen where you have to pile on picks uh, to put um, in potential deals. Um, we just wanted to create that room uh, where we have that flexibility to grow and grow around these guys and build around these players. You said dating back
6: many years that Canada has a lot of untapped potential, um, and I know you increased the scouting efforts here since you've taken over. So, with that in mind, what does it mean to you to have RJ on the team now? Uh,
2: it, means, it means a lot, you know, uh, for us. Um, that's intentional. uh, For us, Uh, it's hundred percent intentional. Uh, We wanted uh, RJ Barrett. uh, We wanted quickly uh, in that in that deal. It meant um, it meant a lot for us to bring him home and and, uh, start to build on this, you know. And um, we haven't um, really built on that like the last uh, few years as these Canadian players have continued to. You know, rise in the MBA and this was an opportunity uh, for us. Um,
1: yes, have you learned any lessons about yourself in the past few years about you know your own leadership style and uh, management?
2: Yes, a lot. Honestly, I learn I learn every day. Um, <laughs> that's um, that's just the kind of person I am. That's um, and that's what this business is. If you don't innovate, if you, if you don't um, I try to get better. Um, if you don't look at the things that you don't do well, uh, or you don't do so well, um, I have no ego in this game. Uh, for me, this is an incredible opportunity um, to be at this job. Um, so, yeah, it's, every day it's, it's, it's learning. I'm learning... Um, how to dance Afrobeats, you know, like, yeah, like, <laughs> I have an Afrobeats dance class every, uh, twice a week, you know, um, yeah, I'm clumsy dancing, so I need to learn how to dance. Uh, started doing the Muay Thai boxing, you know, like, uh, there there's so many things that, you know, like, but even, yeah, I think, I'm thinking, you know, like, I know your questions are towards, like, the business, you know, like, but honestly, every day we're challenging our minds. Um, because um, this business has become so swift, so instinctive uh, now, so uh, day-to-day, um, you you don't know what's coming. Yeah, You never know what's coming. So
6: I thought you would have known uh Decky in Golden State, I presume, through the process of hiring Darko and various international events. Can you speak to him on timely passing of what events of the league? Yeah, and-
2: uh, uh, you that. The, that, is, the, that one, you know, um, I didn't want to open with that because I didn't want to get emotional. Jonathan Givoni introduced me to Deki um, uh, many years ago in Serbia, and this is when uh, he was coaching at Mega, and, um, and a lot of my time was spent um, in in Serbia, on, uh, obviously learning how to scout, and I met Dayan um, there. And... There and um, yeah, for this to happen, uh, just like this in the manner that it happened, I, I I can't even imagine for his family or their organization. You know, like but somebody I knew, somebody that I just saw, yeah, a couple of days ago in 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 Golden State when we played them. Yeah, so yeah, this one is hard because I know the NBA is is just one big family, man, and. You know, my time scouting and going back there and spending time and dinners and all those things, information you are trying to gather about players and um, him wanting to be a coach. I will tell you guys this. Yeah, It's not because the man is gone, but out of the 15 coaches that we interviewed, about 11 of them mentioned his name and the potential to bring them on his staff. 11 of them. I just counted with Bobby. 11, you know, what does that tell you about the man? Uh, Incredible. Um, Jama was besides himself yesterday, and so was Darko. You know, like, for this to happen, like, at a team dinner, yeah, think about, like, how that, what that means, yeah, for us. And that's, yeah, that's the reality of this NBA, you know. Like, we can do what we want, trade all we want, to say all the things that we want, you know. Yeah, the things that I see precious to me and I see is the family of the NBA. Yeah, the camaraderie of the NBA, how we are together uh, in this NBA. That's why this is hard. That's why trading Pascal or Precious, yeah, is hard in, 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 in this league. And, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about him. Is Good man, that untimely passing.
4: So, I mean, there's no good way to segue, so I apologize. Um, there's been a lot out there between the, your relationship and, and the team's relationship with Pascal since he was extension eligible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to ask for like a TikTok of exactly how everybody felt at every moment, but do you feel that the lines of communication were good, and you leave the relationship for now in a fairly good place?
2: Yes, it's a good question, Eric. You know, um, I think the lines of communication uh, in the summer were not that great. You know, like just because, yeah, sometimes I don't have answers, you know, like and sometimes the answer that I've given you, you know, like is, is the same answer that I'm going to give you, you know, like the next time I speak to you. But based on my relationship, you know, like Pascal deserved that I even gave him you know like the over communication you know like which I didn't and I apologized to him you know for it I apologized to him before the season uh, started then um and uh, I apologized to him again you know um uh, recently so um yeah that part I'm not yeah I'm not particularly proud of you know like but there's so many things in our business that yeah, bring about uh, this type of, um, yeah, the, this this type of communication or non-communication, uh, and um, I go back again to say there's there's nobody in this world I don't know, you know, like outside his close family, his mom, his um, his brothers, and uh, yeah, that guy is he's right here. Sorry,
6: when you think about Pascal and. 10, 20 years from now. What are you gonna think about it? Is there a moment that stands out to you when you think
2: about him? Yeah, two moments. Yeah. Yeah, two African guys that won the championship. I shared that with them. And and I think of his dad and um, Pascal at Basketball Without Borders. A lot of people don't know that um, Pascal came to Basketball Without Borders in South Africa. Um, He had been admitted into pastoral school in Cameroon, and he only came to basketball without borders to see his sister who lived in South Africa. And he was gonna go back and go back to pastoral school. And all-NBA, all-All-Star, all-everything, championship, and it's not stereotype championship of African waving the flag on the bench. Yeah, uh, scoring, contributing, yeah, doing everything, you know, uh, that you can think of. Uh that's again I say to you guys that that guy's success is my success, no matter where he is. Yeah. So, um you know, you, you've,
3: your career has been pretty exceptional. Like going back to Denver, like just a remarkable run of really good teams that generally made better. But one thing that really hasn't happened, as you know, as a GM, is is kind of rebuilding, like taking a team that's whatever we are, ten, twelve games under five hundred, and kind of having a trying to ramp that up. And I'm just wondering, what are some of your thoughts on that challenge, and um, where do you think you're going to have to sort of dig in in different
2: ways than you have in the past? Yeah, I have to dig in. Uh, great. I have to dig in. It's not. Uh, it's the. It's the challenge of this business, and I. I. I it's just the challenge of learning. There's a challenge of innovating. Um. Yeah. There's nothing that, honestly, like when I, look at this business and. The things we have to do, to stay, on top of it, to stay relevant. Um, to win, yeah, because I think the game is about winning. Yeah. We want to win in Toronto. is the first thing I said when I came here, and I'm going to say it again. We want to win in Toronto, and we're going to win in Toronto. I can guarantee it, yeah, because we will do everything in our power. Yeah. In my power, I will do everything yeah, to learn uh, about what you are saying. And that's um, learning to build this team around youth, uh that's, that's the challenge now. And I accept it, and we're going to take it and, and go with it. So you mentioned, you know,
6: building this team around you. Scotty is sort of the forefront of that conversation. I guess just more generally, looking back at the past generation, these these two trades became the end of an era in mm-hmm. some ways. What are some lessons you think you can learn from a post-building wow. perspective when it comes to
5: building around Scotty?
2: You know, Scotty had a level year last year, you know, like um, – I, I wish I could have predicted this um, this jump um, maybe uh, maybe better um, i 've always believed in him. you guys know i believed in him in the draft we believed in him uh, as a team and uh, uh, this this jump has been has been good uh, learning experience for me uh, because um, I feel there are many things that, you know, like maybe you can put around, uh, around him. Um, But some of those things are sometimes difficult to project, you know, like in our business. And we try our best to project them the best way we can. Masai,
5: just a moment back to Pascal and, you know, talking about family, talk about the accolades he's had on the court. But, you know, you pretty much watched him grow into the human that he is today. Talking to fans and like especially young fans, they're just so sad to see him go because he's had such an impact in the community through his foundation and who he is. What's it been like for you to watch that part of Pascal and just the impact that he's had?
2: Yeah, you know, Pascal would come to me and ask me about Giants of Africa. He'd go to Larry Tannenbaum and ask him about rights to play. You know, like and how he wanted to, um, how he wants to grow um, his foundation and some of the things he wants to do. You know, like when you look at a guy that has that kind of impact or uh, or that kind of um, capacity uh, in our league, um, it's something. It's it's some, it's something. Um, that's just who he is. That guy worked harder than everybody. Came to practice before everybody. Um, yeah. Left after everybody. Um, no excuses. You guys saw it, you know, like this. I played every freaking game, every single game. Yeah. I think that's easy for me. Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, it's, not, it's not easy. It's the same as DeMar DeRozan, same as Kyle Lowry, yeah, and I'm proud of that culture.
7: So, you built a championship team in 2019. Obviously, your greatest professional um, feet so far but obviously you've also had to disable it in the past month but you've also spoken about being excited for what's next on this team Mm -hmm. I guess just like how are you doing like that's an incredible roller coaster to be on
2: um I'm doing great man you know yeah like yeah there's there's for me you know it's It's family, if my family is doing well, uh, my wife and my kids, my parents and immediate family, that that remains, you know, like important for me. The Raptor family remains important for me that um, I continue to do the right thing and treat people the right way and um, build the right way. Yeah, that's important, you know, like uh, for me. Listen, guys, this will end at some point. You know, like, and I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you something. Toronto will win. Yeah, Toronto will win with or without me. Toronto will win. Yeah, this is just what this market is. It's a gold mine that people haven't, like, really, like, discovered. And I'm proud proud of that. But I'm telling everybody I'm fine. Yeah, I'm 100% fine. If I'm not doing this, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm 100% fine. Trust me. Uh, this is the love of what I do and um, the opportunity that the NBA has given me. Uh, I'm proud of it. We we'll do it to win. Uh, to win. This market means everything to me.
4: You mentioned the culture that runs from DeMar to Kyle, to Pascal, including Fred, obviously, uh, and others I'm not naming. Do you think that has been absorbed by the younger players here, and I know the group is, you know, still getting to know each other, but do you think that sort of put-your-head-down-and-work mentality, if I'm sort of reading what you're saying correctly, has
2: been absorbed? I think think it's going to be, and I think we have to do, you know, like even a better job of of instilling it, Um, but um, I think the pride... Of, of these players, and that's one of the things I think our scouting team, our front office team do a great job. Bobby, Dan, um, Patrick, Inglebert, Keith, Curtis, everybody, Teresa, they do an incredible job, I think, of uh, trying to find these kind of players, um, characters, you know, like that are going to mean the same thing uh, to our organization because the same question you asked, Eric, was the same question that was asked when we had the benchmark, it's the same question, yeah, that was asked. Are these guys going to carry on, you know, like to what those guys did? Yeah, and you know what? Generations change, yeah. The way these guys are now is different, yeah. And everybody compare, oh, this generation, this, there. We have to make that adjustment too, yeah, as much as they have to make that adjustment. And we find that balance, you know, like of what it is, And what this culture is of this organization. Uh, And we're going to find it. We're going to find it. But I think the young players, uh, whether it's the Scotty Barnes uh, or the Emmanuel Quickleys or the R.J. Barrett, I think they have the huge potential to carry that on.
5: You mentioned before the season kind of that that prove it aspect of Pascal, the extension on Media Day. And with trade rumors with extension talks with his name being kind of clouded and everything and a lot about his intentions and his part and everything how do you found he m- moved through all that as a player changing to a hierarchy that featured scotty Moore as a man dealing with all the things that were said about him
2: yeah he handled it like perfectly uh in my opinion i give him a hundred out of a hundred uh there's there's no way you can and you know, all like uh, that that's it has to be difficult you know like i i, I said that to him you well know, like i know it's it's difficult yeah uh, even a grown man like me you know like yeah if when you are in those situations of contract and stuff you know like there yeah you get you get tested yeah big time tested there's nothing that stopped him from coming to work every day yeah that uh, try to be the best he can, try to be the best teammate uh, he could be while he performed. And, yeah, we we truly respect that. You know, like I respect that uh, about him. But um, these are not easy situations for players. This is not easy at all.
3: besides yeah, you know, you mentioned rebuild or reset or whatever adjective you want to use or gets used. Um, sometimes they do take a long time. We We can all think of examples. But there's others that have kind of turned around pretty quickly and, you know, you probably think of a couple like that too. Um, Based on what you have and what you think you need and the tools you have, does this feel like something that's going to be, you know, you can't, I'm not saying put a year on it, Mm -hmm. does it feel like it's going to be something that's closer than further? Um, And I guess are you sensitive to, you know, Scotty, is he's almost ready to win now you could say and uh you know how do you take most advantage of his his years
2: yeah it's a good question grange we're going to study that you know and continue to study that as 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 much as we can you know like and i think that's where we really have to be really instinctive you know like i don't think it's anything um said that we know he was going to make this jump you know like uh in this in the, this year um it's tough, you know, um, it's an incredible basketball mind, you know, and um, and we have to be very mindful of uh, of that, you know, like, and uh, trust me, he talks to me about, uh, you know, like about winning, you know, like which makes my, uh, I don't want to say it makes my job easier, you know, like, but that's his mindset. Yeah, You see the approach in the fourth quarters, you see the approach in the game. You know, like you see how he plays with his teammates, you know, and um, winning plays. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know what the actual number is on a timeline or date or, you know, um, or projection there. But it's something every day. I know uh, me, Bobby, Dan, Keith were well, paying, you know, like very close attention to. Obviously an unfortunate byproduct of the trade as
4: you had to waive Christian or a player and, and you waived Christian. Can you just take us through why he ended up being the person you, the player you
2: yeah that's a that's a tough one, Eric. you know um, his medical status wow. is is now in the hands of the NBA and I can't comment uh, on it you know but um, yeah, that's that' was a very tough one for us because some somebody we really believed in. Uh, someone that had, um, I know that has uh, incredible talent, and we see and saw as a um, future of this team. But um, we've we've exhausted all our, you know, like options there, and um, I I can't comment on what it is particularly. But it's now in the hands of the NBA, and I I stay private with. Uh, my comments on him, but um, it 's really unfortunate for us because this is a player that we felt um, was really a big part of um, our future and uh, you guys also know you know um, someone that 's part of um, the programs we 've built in Africa and um, what we believe is is now um, a true pipeline of how we get future players in the NBA, and this was a big one for us, and it didn't didn't work out that way for now. This, uh
6: understanding that those draft picks can be traded or whatever, right now you're heavily invested in the draft. How would you characterize this year's draft?
2: God, I can see Dan Tolzman on my this right shoulder telling me, "Don't say it. <laughs> Shut your mouth right now." <laughs> yeah. I'll say this, you know, um, in every draft, there are players found. Yeah, I think in one of the worst drafts in the NBA history, maybe, you know, um, Giannis Adetokounmpo and uh, Gobert came out of that draft. Um, so um, we, I believe in our team and um, what we do, and um, I think we'll make the best use of it. Are we going to take... Uh, uh, three picks in that draft, I strongly doubt it. Uh that's 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 not the plan for now, but um I think we'll make uh good use and uh, we'll scout it the best possible way we can.
3: I mean this time of year for now, I mean Scotty, RJ, uh quick, like for sure, that's three potential you guys you got to be starting for a long time on this team. Um Based on the flexibility, potential cap space, whatever, how many guys you fit with their talents and their timelines? Do you think you're able? You might be able to get. Um,
2: I think while scouring now, uh, Grange. You know, like everywhere, end of rosters, rosters, um, draft picks, free agents. You know, like this is, this is the growth you are talking about. You know, like this is the place um um where um we're we we're going to have to like really dig in yeah, and find um uh those that that type of talent you know like we're really excited about jante Porter, you know like a uh, big guy that um has shooting skill and uh, passing skill and a basketball i q plays the right way size good age you know like with with us you know those are the kind of things that you know like we have to do that might be like a small level you know like but um we just have to start hitting on those you know like now uh to build around uh around these guys and honestly like we're we're excited about this and to get these young guys to start to play now and express themselves listen it's gonna take patience there's going to be the first half of last night's game and the second and the third quarter of last night's game, you know, like a lot. There's going to be a lot of that. Let me warn you, you know, like so Yeah, in the next uh, year, a couple years. Um, and we hope it's shorter, you know, like we do. We do hope it's shorter. You know, we're going to do our best um, for our team, our organization, our fan base, you know, like that. Um, championship is what we've experienced here and and what we want to experience again here yeah that's where we want to go to but it's going to take patience
3: is it a priority for you to be in play-in tournament maybe push for i guess probably playoffs might be a bit of a stretch but you know to be in that you know eight to ten range um or seven to ten range or you know would it be a reasonable outcome to keep your own pick uh,
2: honestly um uh, grange we're going to play to win yeah, we're going to coach these guys and, uh, and 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 teach them and play to win. Yeah, whatever that brings us, you know, um, uh, we will deal with and we will prepare for. Uh, we're going to be well prepared, you know, like for any scenario uh, that comes that comes our way. That's what flexibility, you know, like um, brings. And we hope because we in, in the future, whether it's near or far, we go away from. What we call flexibility—that means we're getting better um, as the further away we go from it. But um, yes, we're going to prepare for—I think for both for both sides. But pushing this team, you know, um, to continue to play the right way, to learn, uh, to get opportunity, and to win when they um, can—that's what we're going to do here.
7: You guys building around Scotty Barnes a couple times. Um, What types of players? And uh, what types of people do you want to
2: bring into the team to build around him? I, I think we started with RJ Barrett uh, with Quig- Emmanuel quickly and RJ <laughs> Barrett. Yeah, like this this um uh shooting, uh I think um athletic players, um players with basketball IQ, you know, from, um young players. Um we we have to start we have to start building spacing. Um, those kind of things are going to be important, but overall, you know we have young talent you know we have to we have to go and uh, find find those fits
6: you guys could be a player in free agency if you guys choose to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. Is that something you see as free agency being something that you guys want to explore, or is it cap space more valuable in other ways uh, these days in the NBA? uh
2: we'll see I think three out of the four i shouldn 't say this this is gonna yeah. <laughs> yeah, three out of the four players in the, the top free agents this year have played for the Raptors before.
5: <laughs> uh, specifically on RJ, I think the last 10 games have been some of the best of his career. Range, are you thinking
2: about it? Come on. Mm-hmm.
5: I'm just trying to think of the third one. Hmm? Third
3: oh,
2: right. Okay, my fault. Uh, out of four out of the, uh, actually, more. Oh, oh, five, then. <laughs> <laughs> let's, keep, let's keep going. You guys mentioning all of them, because the NBA will find me if I say names. Yeah, not have that much money right now. Oh, I signed the extension. Uh, uh, okay, yeah, he's out. He's out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's out. Um,
5: specifically with RJ, this has been one of the best stretches of his career. There's been conversations about how he's perceived as an asset and all that kind of stuff. At least you guys thought that there was untapped potential there. Such a great start. Have you been surprised at all by the level of play he's been able to immediately build?
2: No, man. You guys, you know that tunnel. And, and I swear, like, this seems, like, crazy to say. But his dad, every single time I was standing in that tunnel, 10 years ago, and I can't believe I've been here that long. 10 years ago, how old was RG? 13, and his dad would walk through that tunnel, and he would bring him to me. Every single time he brought him to a game, he would bring him to me. Ask Rowan. I'm telling you, every single time I'm standing in that tunnel, he'll bring it to me. as my son, you know, and uh, he loves basketball. Please say something to him. Every single time. And this guy, full circle, right here, playing for the Raptors, what do I think of him and like, can there be growth? Yeah, absolutely. He's 23 years old, you know, like, and I think um, sometimes these players are put in those kind of situations, you know, like, and sometimes right in the beginning of their careers, they are not in the right situation, to be honest. And yeah, that's, and we're hoping with him that was the case yeah, so that he can be better here.
4: Can you be fined for tampering with a 13-year-old?
6: <laughs>
4: that was a
2: joke. No. I'll I'll have no money because there are a lot of thirteen year olds in Africa <laughs> playing basketball.
6: You got to look at Lewis and War as well. Lewis was a lottery pick. I mean, what do you see there? Say that again. You got to look at Lewis and Wara as well in this in
2: the deal. I mean, Lewis was I think thirteenth pick. He's had some injuries. I mean, what do you what do you see there? We keep, we keep taking those, those chances, you know, like uh, these kind of players were excited. I think, um, I think they just arrived here, you know, um, and I'm really excited to see uh, Kyra. I'm excited to see Nora who I've known since he was five years old, not 13, you know. Um, his dad is a good friend, of, has been a good friend for many years and been part of the Nigerian basketball um, program. Um, and Bruce you know like yeah it is, uh that's the that's that's the beauty of this next challenge and we have we have to do well and we have to get it right Any last Eric anything Seven. come on man i know I, I know i've disappeared for like 3 months you know like but <laughs> i was
4: thinking Krusty goes two and a half hours. Uh, yes so. but how long have i gone <laughs> Almost an hour.
2: Uh, an hour has the I mean, yeah. And I know you guys are thinking of another one.
3: <laughs> I mean, you, you touched on Jante, and that's a good example. And Pascal and is maybe the best example of the kind of successes you guys were able to achieve with players from off the radar or lower in the draft or whatever. And, you know, when you look at, you know, kind of Scotty aside from 2019 on you know, you could argue that's sort of been a challenge to this team. He had a nice upper end group of talent and the hitting on some of the lower picks or, you know, kind of the undrafted player or whatever it might be hasn't hasn't just materialized recently. Mm-hmm. Um, as you look at it, is that just just the nature of the business and you're not gonna nail these guys every year and like kinda of fifteen to eighteen is just an incredible run? Or was there some system, some things that you review and you go well you know we've got a we made some mistakes and we need to correct
2: those i think i think it's a mix of all of it you know like um you're not gonna get all of these um right i think in the mix of um in the mix of getting it right i think we had bruno we had you know uh, we had a couple that we didn't I still in Bruno. yeah we didn't get right Bruno's my guy man i
3: saw him um, in the yeah
2: he, he made impact there um yeah it's 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 a mixture of 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 all of it you know um i'll stay on this side and um and say we have to you know like uh, learn more and and figure it out more i i, I can stay on this side and say unlucky somewhat you know like i believed in christian you know and um i think he could have been something big for us in um a dynamic center um but um yeah we look at yeah malachi you know like i think there's still still more and maybe you know there and um i know you got how you guys felt about us drafting scotty but (laughs) well, <laughs> I'll leave that, you know, like to another day. I uh, know if we go there, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not been Fred and Pascal and O.G. and uh, yeah, it's not and Norm, you know, like it's not been that. But um, I, I always say the MBA, you know, like your time comes, it goes, it come back around again, you know, and um, our time is coming again, you know, like you're not going to have hundred percent success all the time, you know, like, and I think after COVID we've gone through pretty hard times here, uh, but we're not using that as an excuse. We're going to something incredible came out of COVID. And I think that's uh, Scotty Barnes, you know, like that will lead us. That's the hardest one to do. Uh, so hopefully we will get better, you know, like, and we take responsibility for whatever hasn't worked. If I um, I think with the whole Demar trade
4: that happened now ages ago, uh, somewhere along the way, you got painted as maybe a bit cold in these negotiations. And yet, obviously, you sit here today and anything but like, uh, it's a very emotional toll it weighs on you to, to trade these people you get to know do you think it
2: would benefit you to be a bit colder uh, and be able to... Colder than I am now? I mean, uh, goddamn, i like... <laughs> well, I'm say, like, what? Yeah, yeah oh. pass me a cookie, Doug. Because
4: <laughs> you know, do like, obviously it hurts you to, like, to have to move on from these guys.
2: Okay. Man, like, yeah. I don't know if it gets any colder, man. Yeah, I don't know. You know, like, this, this is a tough business. Yeah. I walked around a hotel for 2 hours. 2 hours in Kenya to sum up courage to call Demar. Yeah, and I would Yeah, I mean, because, <laughs> Yeah. Excuse my language. This is why
4: JQ shouldn't
2: have. I know, yeah, I know exactly. Come on, JQ, cut. Yeah, no, I'm uh, my last one. You know, like honestly, you know, like it's it's the human part of this business is tough. Yeah, that part, like you can. Yeah, my wife and my kids, like yeah, see me, like suffer. <laughs> my my son, texts me. Uh, and said, "You traded OG." You no, know, like, yeah, it's it, it, it's it's tough. Uh, it's it's really tough. To to sum up the courage, I remember me and Bobby sitting in my office. Yeah, to walk from my office, yeah, to Coach Casey's office, or to walk from our office to Nick Nurse's office. Do you know how how hard that is? Yeah, when you share like a championship coach of the year. Man, Coach Casey, we're in Africa together, you know, like this summer. And with time, you know, with tomorrow, with time, you know, like it heals a little bit, you know. But, man, it's not easy, man. It's not easy because there's something about the NBA. I don't know if other leagues are like that. But there's something about the NBA as family. Uh, no matter how, you know, like, um, cold we can get, you no, know, there's there's just something about it. And it will remain the most difficult part of this business. trading a player and when a player leaves. It's the most difficult thing. Fred said it. Uh, what did Fred say when he asked what's the most difficult thing? He said it was... The call he made to me—I remember that call. Yeah, it's the most difficult thing in this business, and you guys might look at it as simple or something that's just done. now nah, two hours—I was walking around this hotel at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning, trying to sum up the courage yeah, to call the Madurozan. What did it take
4: with Pascal? What
5: what did it take
2: for you to have those words for him? You know, I think the only good thing about Pascal was um, we had an incredible, good conversation, you know, um, prior to this, leading up to this um, in L.A. So I think... It prepared all of us maybe a little bit better, you know, like for this, being honest and having a good conversation. Thank you, guys. Thank you. you. Uh, you.
0: All right. Messiah Jerry, Raptors president, um, at the podium. Uh, For over an hour. Over an hour. uh, I think, honestly, first off, um, you know, there's so much to break down. He covered so much of the traits that just happened with OG and Pascal, even went into the history of the moves, just talking about the, the times that he had to move on from DeMar DeRozan or having to move on from Dwayne Casey and Nick Nurse. Uh, and so many great quotes, so many great moments. We will get to those in the course of this discussion. Uh, but I think really for me personally, I think Masai spoke with the most vulnerability and honesty that you can see um, out of all the press conferences that he's done. That is not to say that it just means that there are no mistakes made or, and everything's all good, but I think Masai made a decision today to be extremely human, extremely open, and I really want to just respect that decision that he made, and then we can talk about the rest of the moves But to me, that was a a really cool thing that he just did.
1: Uh, And, you know, he might have felt like he didn't have a choice anyway. You can come up there and you can put on a brave face and things like that or or try to be cold and calculating, but that's not who Masai is. That's not how he's tried to build the culture here. Um, We know from day one and even before day one, the relationship he's had with Pascal Siakam. And that's part of why, honestly... The reporting around the relationship with the team and Pascal and even Masai saying that he he apologized to Pascal for how the communication's been through this. That's probably what was most surprising about it. It's not that, you know, that's how you treat a, a top player or anything like that. But Masai and Pascal go back so far. Like, I remember mm-hmm. sitting down with Pascal at his apartment complex for a story that I was doing on the lead up to actually his first all-star appearance. Um, and... We talked for, like, I don't know, an hour, and it just, like, kept coming back up of, like, yeah, every time I, like, had a doubt or thought this was my role or whatever, like, it was Masai who was, like, well, why not? Mm-hmm. Why can't you be more than an energy guy? Why can't you shoot the three? Why can't you be a number one guy? Why can't you be an all-star? And that relationship, like, permeated Pascal's development story so much that it was a little odd to feel like that relationship was in a tough spot this yeah. last year or so. And Masai was obviously very, very emotional in talking about that. Mm-hmm. You know, he was tearing up at one point when asked about what his favorite memories of Pascal were, and and he shared two there. And one is obviously um, he said two players – Winning uh, two African players winning a championship. I guess that means today OG's British, not not Nigerian. That that changes sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, But with Pascal and Serge, obviously. And then, you know, talking about how when Pascal was like 13 years old and he goes to a basketball without borders camp in South Africa just to visit his sister. Mm -hmm. And Pascal's told this part of his story. He was going to be a pastor. That is kind of what his father wanted for him, even though, you know, all the brothers played basketball and tried to make it as athletes and things like that. But he was headed toward pastoral school and it was that basketball without borders uh, thing that kind of pushed him toward what is quite literally one of the greatest player development stories in the history of basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, Masai getting emotional with that, I I think is just very, very, like you said, it's very human. It's a, it's better to be open and vulnerable about that and be real about it than anything. But I also think it, it really hammers home, you know, this is a, difficult move and not one that the franchise weighed lightly this was not a we've lost a couple games in a row let's fire up the trade machine and see what we can get this is there's a reason this process took as long as it did and things like an extension or re-signing were still potentially on the table this is a really really hard thing to do when it's someone who's meant so much to the franchise so much to the success of the team and so much to Masai personally yeah um and again i think in the course of this discussion really want to
0: separate two things who Masai is as a leader and what that specifically requires in terms of how to get people to follow, right? That's your, that's what you're doing as a leader. How do you get people to follow? You get vulnerable, you get open, you get honest, and then you get to what needs to be said. I never get a sense from Masai that he had a difficult time having a difficult conversation when it's needed to happen. You're telling me about a guy who let go of DeMar, let go of the the coaches. Let go of Pascal and OG just now, despite of all the things that he said. You need that quality as a leader. And so that's one part. The other part is the executive decisions as a basketball executive. And I think on that front, if we move to that conversation, I do think that Masai in this one was a little bit contrite and admitted to the fact that, you know what? I wanted to be patient with the group. I believed in that group. That's why I chose last trade deadline when even the Raptors were under 500 to add Jaco Pertl. He felt like that was the missing piece for that group, and he felt like that group deserved another chance to push. I think on a basketball front, we can totally disagree with that decision. And I think that this is almost as close as it comes to an open admission. I don't think he said
1: the words exactly of, you know what, we shouldn't have made that trade or anything like that. He didn't say that. said if it was a mistake, it was a mistake, but... We think that that's still fair value to trade up for, yeah. And he's framing it as a first-round pick for you. It was a first-round, a mid-second, and what could potentially be a high second, sure, but whatever. still. Yeah. Um, and, and then you paid the full freight market mm-hmm. value. But yes, he said basically they think that was fair value, and it was worth it to give that that group had earned the chance mm-hmm. the prior year mm-hmm. to get more than half a season of runway. Now that's something I disagree with, but I don't. You know, you're right. There is there are two separate things here, and one is the person who is steering the franchise and yeah. trying to in- get player player buy-in and, you know, have the culture that supports the moves they're going to make and things like that. And then there are the specific moves. And one of those things I can nitpick with, but the the person side of it, the leadership side of it, I, I really can't. The the specific moves we'll continue to get into. We got Sean Strani coming on in a minute here. We'll talk to Caitlin Cooper at 2.30 to get the Pacers side of this here, So he joining us a little later. Um, Pascal's other agent, Jafar Chifani, uh coming on with us. But yeah, we'll, we'll have lots of time to nitpick the specifics. Um, I guess the other thing is... That that Masai laid out with as it pertains to the trade mechanics mm-hmm. is he hit the point a couple of times that the offers they got for OG and Pascal now mm-hmm. were not substantially different from or or worse than the offers they got in the off season. Yeah, um, I'm a little bit skeptical on that based on the well, reporting too, that sure. I've been able to put together. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you feel about that main point? That the reason that this took so long, the reason that they you know, took Fred down to UFA status and and lost that that gamble. The fact that they waited until expiring years for Pascal and OG, when you hear the explanation for it from their side, do you feel any differently about it or, or not really? I think the
0: main point of contention is should you have made these moves at last year's trade deadline versus this current year's trade deadline?
1: Or in the offseason. Because I, I do yeah, think the offseason right. was pro- from what I've put together, that was the moment to trade Pascal.
0: Okay, fine. But then... The decisions made at last offseason. He says he believes in the group. That's why he went out to get Jakobertel. He feels like paying a first-round pick for a starting player is quality. I don't even think that that's necessarily wrong in a vacuum. Maybe not this specific type of pick with only one to six pick protection for this specific center. And they thought group. that
1: pick would be in the in the teens,
0: right? Like they yeah, thought they yeah. were going to be a playoff, totally team. for sure. So you could even tell just based on the the. Uh, Protections on the pick that they calculated one way and then reality was a different way, so that is a bit mistake from the basketball perspective or at least a gamble that didn 't really pay off. I think the other thing is once you made that decision, then you weren 't ever going to move Fred because if you were going to move Fred or had yakub then you would have never let Fred you know uh, also move at the trade deadline so essentially, they made two decisions at that deadline. We are going to risk free agency with Fred on the chance that this whole group really works, and we can keep it together clearly it didn 't work out that way. They get Jakob in that process, so that's the trade done last year. This uh, off season that just took place, that was the time where you have to make that decision and be real about yourself. Fred has moved on. You know, you were able to bring in Dennis, who you know has been oh, you know, good ish as like a six man, as like a fifth starter type for you. You can move him around, whatever. Um, you know, but realistically, that wasn't going to replace you know, what you needed to see in this team. In fact, you actually need an upgrade at the guard position, which we ultimately did see now with Emmanuel quickly. But what you needed to see from this offseason was we need to now move on from Pascal and OG because clearly the book is turning. And, yeah, uh, can I ask you that question about, you know, if you're comfortable sharing that reporting that you've been able to put together in terms of how the offers that he received now – compared to how it was in the off season,
1: Yeah, I, I will say this. It, like, I don't have the, uh, here is the exact trade framework, but I'm fairly confident you could have gotten one of the prospects from the Pacers in okay. the offseason. Okay. And, and that would have meant fewer picks. Yes, But if you are a person who would have rather had one of the prospects versus an extra pick or something like that, um, obviously Bruce Brown would not be a, a part of that deal because they didn't have Bruce Brown at that point. They maybe would have just absorbed okay. him into cap space. Um, speaking of Bruce Brown, Part of the question that flows from this, Masai didn't really get too deep into it, is what happens next. We have Shams Strania on the line with us. He's the senior NBA insider for the Athletic and Stadium, co-host of Run It Back. Shams, thanks for joining us, man.
7: Uh, what's going on? How are you? Blake, guys, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you.
1: Uh got to ask you first. so. Look, I know you don't want to pump your own tires a little too much, but you put this report out with Sam Amick the other night. There's a little bit of skepticism about it. And then the next day, lo and behold, uh, you know, it, it's it's right. All the details are there. Can you walk us through a little bit of, you know, Tuesday night, you putting that together and the timeline for it actually happening then Wednesday?
7: Yeah, I, I'd gotten wind over the last 48 hours, I guess it is, 48, 72 hours that the Pacers and Raptors were going pretty extensively on back and forth proposals and, and in the weeds on negotiations and Masai Ujiri calling uh, the president of the Pacers, Kevin Pritchard, and, and making requests and them going back and forth and it reaching a stage of, of, you know, where you have three first round picks, Bruce Brown Jr. And teams around the league that I spoke to teams like golden state, Sacramento, Atlanta, um, you know, teams like Dallas, Houston, anyone, Detroit, anyone you could think of that could have a, a, a stake in this, could have a way to get Pascal Siakam. They they've been kind of on the on on the periphery. They weren't really as in the thick of it as far as their offer. Sacramento was a team that was seriously engaged a, a few weeks ago when I reported that they were in in pretty strong, you know, intense conversations, but they eventually pulled out and then it became about would Toronto come back to them. And that never happened. And yesterday from I'm told the, the the Warriors and Raptors actually touched base before the Pacers deal was completed. And before the Raptors pulled the trigger on that deal and the Warriors at this point um, just didn't have the package, didn't have uh, the level. I I think of, of interest down the, down the road. I think if you got close to the trade deadline, could you have seen something potentially But the interest in Jonathan Kaminga, I don't think was there. And also the Warriors did not want to part ways with him either. Um, So I think those factors played a role. And then the Pacers bringing in Bruce Brown Jr., three first-round draft picks, and having the confidence in re-signing Pascal Siakam. I think all those factors played a role in them eventually making that final offer, getting comfortable as a franchise, that we view Pascal Siakam as a max contract player. We're willing to make that commitment. Um, you know, internally with our with our mindset and they ultimately make the offer and the, the Raptors finally give the green light and the okay yesterday.
0: Shams, I wanted to ask, um, Indiana obviously has a lot of prospects in addition to the extra picks that they also held that they moved in this deal. Was there a discussion around those prospects from Toronto's end and how seriously did they push for those?
7: Toronto definitely had significant interest in Benedict mm-hmm. Mather and Jaris Walker, and even down the line, guys like Jalen Smith, Andrew Nemhard, But that was a big point for the Pacers is keeping those four core players, young players, as well as Isaiah Jackson, keeping them in, in your in your stable. And that meant parting ways with the three first-round draft picks. Now, could you have put in a young player? And then you would have not had to part ways with all those draft picks. But the fact that they kept those young players, you put the picks in, and that was really the squabble for the last – couple weeks, and then once it got down to crunch time, the Raptors, I'm told, were very motivated to find a deal for Pascal Siakam. They understood that the time was now to make a deal, strike on the assets that were available on the marketplace, and and really, they believed that the offers were not going to change. Between now and the February trade deadline, there wasn't going to be a mystery team. They had scanned all all the teams interested. They had talked to all the interested teams. Those interested teams were able to make their final offer. Some teams did. Some didn't. Some wanted to wait. But even, even when you wait, those offers were not going to be potentially better than this, than this Pacers offer. And I, I think Masai Ujiri, that Raptors organization, they lost Fred VanVleet for nothing in free agency. And Masai Ujiri even said in his press conference today that, yeah, his, his free agency did play a part. And I think for, for the Raptors, it was important capitalizing on the assets. And now you can, you can start to restructure and re- retool your team.
1: One of the uh, additional trickle-downs we could, we could see here, and Shams, maybe this is a little too early in the process to ask you this, but Bruce Brown is someone who Masai just talked up a little bit. He, obviously, there's a toughness, a versatility, a championship pedigree there with Bruce Brown. He's only 27. He's a little younger than Pascal. But he's also a guy with only one year left on his contract after this year, and it's a team option. I'd imagine there are some contenders who would at least be calling and kicking the tires on Bruce Brown. Is, is that the sense you get as well?
7: For, for sure. The, the Raptors will get calls on Bruce Brown Jr. There's no question about it. When you think about his status as a veteran in this league, he's just won a championship last season. This Raptors team isn't playing for a championship um, right now. Uh, I, I don't think that's breaking news. <laughs> and so for Bruce Brown Jr., uh, he's a guy that's that's played several years in the league. And him being on this $22 million contract, $23 million player option for next season that was another component of this trade when you think about it. You get three first-round draft picks and then the ability potentially to flip Bruce Brown Jr. You either get, I, I think, in this marketplace, you could potentially fetch a first or boatload a second-round picks. You saw last year at the trade deadline, Jay Crowder went for five second-round picks. So how many can Bruce Brown get either seconds or at least one first? Um, Masai Ujiri in the Raptors organization, I don't think they're dead set on trading Pascal C, uh, trading Bruce Brown Jr., but I do think They're going to get offers, and they're going to have to make decisions.
0: Hey, Shams, I want to ask you just to circle back to Pascal. There's a lot of discussion about whether or not they could have made this type of move last year at the deadline or even in the offseason at the time of the draft or the start of free agency. Uh, What type of offers were on the table for the Raptors in those times, and, and how seriously did the Raptors even come to making that decision to trading Pascal in those previous windows?
7: I, I, similar to what the Pacers that offered, the Pacers have been in the race for Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi for a couple of years now. They've been pursuing both of those players, and, and a lot of the offers, you know, veteran players, picks, but there hasn't been that offer where you're going to get a star young player, right? Mm-hmm. When you think about Atlanta Hawks, they came pretty close, they felt, in getting a deal done for Siakam in the summer. And that was DeAndre Hunter, that was A.J. Griffin, and that was an unprotected first-round pick. So when you compare this this deal that that happened now, you get Bruce Brown Jr., who you could flip to more assets, or you could keep, um, and you get the first round picks. Comparatively, you know, I, I think this probably is slightly better, potentially better. AJ Griffin right now is out of the rotation in Atlanta, but a lot of the offers, if Atlanta had put in Jalen Johnson, Sacramento had put in Keegan Murray, if Tor- if the Warriors had put in maybe Moses Moody and multiple draft picks, maybe that gets you in the race. Um, Dallas, they have you know, Derek lively. They have a couple other young players. Do you put those players in? And so I, they, the Raptors did not get that defining offer of, of a star young player. Um, and at the end of the day, they, they chose this offer over Sacramento's potentially over Atlanta's in the summer and any others that slip through the cracks.
1: And we'll have to see now, you know, what they do with these picks. Masai said today, basically, yeah, I don't don't intend on using all three picks in the draft. So there could be more uh, to come, more to come on the Bruce Brown front, a couple other guys as well. Uh, Shams, if that happens, we'll bug you once more again. uh, Thanks for taking the time out this afternoon, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, S. Shams Tarani, a senior NBA insider for the Athletic and Stadium, co-host of Run It Back. And yeah, Shams and Sam Amick, uh, early on this Raptors Pacer news. Uh, you got a, a note in the document. You gotta shout someone up before we take a break and bring in Kayla Cooper?
0: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna save this for later. Oh, okay. uh, but just wanted to say a huge thank you to Shams for joining us on the program. It's not lost on me how awesome it is that we get this opportunity to bring on everybody directly involved yeah. in this thing. We got the agents, we got the top newsbreakers who were the ones who first said the story. So just yeah, credit to all the producers and and, and, and your poll and everything like that. But we're going to take this quick break. Thanks everyone for listening in. We will continue our coverage uh, of this. We will look at the Pacers side. We will look at the rest of the league and come back with more thoughts on Pascal. But for now, we're going to take this quick break. I've been your host, Willu. You've been listening to The Raptors Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.